Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Recovery Talk. Today we are going to talk about fear foods and the importance of challenging them. I'm also going to offer some tips and tricks on how to challenge fear foods. And I'm also going to talk a bit about how it's not always necessarily about specific foods, but it could also be fear behaviors or fear amounts or fear eating a certain food in a certain situation. So first of all, what is a fear food? A fear food is, as the name suggests, a specific food that you fear. Very often, but not always, someone with an eating disorder will have certain fear foods that kind of align with foods demonized by diet culture. And if it's not demonized by diet culture, it might be demonized by that sufferer's specific dieting space, right? So for instance, if someone has an eating disorder and they're heavily invested in low-carb, the low-carb community uh, and that social media sphere, then they might strongly fear carbohydrates, but they might be able to eat, let's say, bacon with ease. Whilst if someone is heavily invested in a very specific branch of veganism that focuses a lot on high-carb diets, right, then they might be fine with eating carbohydrates, but they might be terrified of, for instance, fats, especially like animal fats. So the idea of eating bacon would be petrifying to them. And I think this in itself really illustrates how little sense fear foods actually make because you can have two people with an eating disorder, even two people with orthorexic symptoms, meaning an obsession with eating right and eating healthy, and they might have completely different fear foods and completely different perceptions about what kind of foods are bad versus good. So there is a lot of inconsistency here. And opposite to fear foods, you have safe foods, which also, as the name might imply, is a food that you feel safe and comfortable eating. And again, often but not always, what is a safe food for someone with eating disorder tends to be foods that have been, you know, deemed safe by diet culture or their specific dieting sphere, right? In general, there is a bit of a pattern where safe foods with people with eating disorders tend to be foods that are low in calories, whilst fear foods tend to be foods that are higher in calories, especially higher in things like carbohydrates and fats, sugars. Then again, there are a lot of exceptions to this. So for instance, many people with eating disorder might have peanut butter as a safe food. And others might be terrified of fruits, even though that's quite low in calories. Me personally, I had fear foods that made absolutely no logical sense. At one point, I was petrified of a very specific type of tea. And tea has no calories, right? And I still don't know why I was scared of this tea and avoided this tea. I <laughs> I don't know. It was just the fear, right? So sometimes you can logically understand where a fear food comes from, you know? And other times it just makes no goddamn sense whatsoever. And even if you can kind of address where fear food comes from, it still don't make that much sense, right? Because that food is not really that scary or bad as you think it is, right? No food is ever going to be as unhealthy as an eating disorder. And a healthy lifestyle and diet means including a lot of different foods. A hyper-focus on eating the perfect diet is per definition not healthy, mentally or physically. 
because orthorexia is an eating disorder. And an eating disorder causes stress and isolation. You know, it is not healthy. So I think the first thing to acknowledge if you have fear foods is acknowledge that it is not really about health. It is about control. Because if it was about health, then you would have gone and eaten that fear food because that is bringing you towards recovery, right? And recovery is healthy. Healthy is absence of disease. An eating disorder is a disease. Therefore, eating fear foods, which helps move you away from the eating disorder and towards recovery, is healthy. And as I mentioned, uh, it is not always necessarily about specific fear foods, right? It could also be about fear amounts or fear situations. So let me elaborate a little bit on that. For example, I see this a lot in recovery and I see this a lot in clients. Someone might be perfectly fine eating, let's say, a chocolate, right? But eating two chocolates or four chocolates, that brings up major anxiety. Or eating that chocolate in a room full of people brings up anxiety. Or eating that chocolate right before bed or in the morning or some kind of timing that they deem wrong because this timing ideas that people with eating disorder have it varies so much from person to person and i see this because i work with people with eating disorders all the rules about when to eat what food varies from person to person or it could be that someone is fine eating a chocolate if they have exercised that day right or they might be fine eating chocolate but only if it is like a dairy-free chocolate or sugar-free chocolate or dark chocolate you know you can see how it is not always about just food there's a lot of other things at play here and this is why when i work with clients i always say you know when we are working with challenging fears and fear foods we focus not just about specific foods but also about behaviors around those foods and the context around the food so why is it important to challenge fear foods in the first place you know because a lot of people ask this they're like okay well can't i just you know recover just eating you know safe foods right Physically, your body can't really tell the difference if you're getting your calories from a safe food or a fear food. But mentally, on the other hand, if you're recovering only eating safe foods, that's not really a strong, sustainable recovery because you still have so many fears and ideas that you haven't properly challenged, right? You might be able to get yourself to a point where you're physically healthier, but mentally, you won't really be where you want to be, right? Because I'm assuming you're listening to this recovery podcast, you want to be at a space where you are recovered and you can handle food situations with ease and be comfortable. But getting to the point where you are comfortable around all foods means you have to go through a period where you are uncomfortable. A period where you are deliberately putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Because the only way to get rid of a fear food is to eat it again and again and again until it doesn't scare you anymore. I'm not saying you have to stop eating the fear food as soon as it is no longer scary. You can eat that. I mean, you can eat that for the rest of your life, right? I was terrified of chocolate. I still eat chocolate, even though I'm not scared of it anymore. It's not like you need to have it as a fear food to challenge in order to be allowed to eat it, right? An eating disorder is a little bit like an anxiety disorder. So imagine someone is terrified of dogs, right? Yes, they can just avoid dogs for the rest of their life, but that's not really going to get them to get rid of their dog phobia. And in the same way, if you're just avoiding any food situation that makes you feel unsafe, you're not really getting rid of, you know, that anxiety. So just like 
the solution if someone has a dog phobia is to kind of gradually put themselves in situations where they are around dogs and challenge that fear. The same thing goes with fear foods or fear amounts or fear situations. You know, when I say fear foods in this podcast, I do mean fear amounts, fear context, fear situations overall. So I'm going to share a little exercise that I often do with clients when it comes to challenging fear foods. Basically, you take a piece of paper and you write down your fear foods or fear amounts or fear situations. And you basically write it down as a to-do list. So this could be, for instance, chocolate, or it could be eating chocolate at this time or in this space or this amount of chocolate or eating it that this specific day. Or it could just be a bunch of foods that you feel are scary. So you write it down at this to-do list and then you challenge them. And you tick them off every time you're challenged. And here's the thing, you very often will have to challenge a fear food quite a few times before it is no longer a fear food. Some fear foods you challenge like once or twice and they're just no longer scary whilst others you need to eat again and again and again and I know some of you might think oh my god but I have so many fear foods where do I even begin and the answer is you just begin right of course on this one list you might not be able to list every single fear food but a trick could be to also be a bit general so instead of listing up you know cake croissant cinnamon bun you can just list pastries. So think food categories rather than specific foods. Or think specific foods if that helped you because there are some people who for instance they might be fine eating cake but not eating a croissant, right? They're both, they're both pastries but they have a safe pastry and a fear pastry. And you might not be able to cover every single fear food or fear behavior on this one list but the key is just to get started. Because as you have gone through that list you can write another list. And I know some of you will also think oh my god that it's going to take me so long to go through every single fear food or fear behavior. But here is the catch. Often what happens when you challenge a specific fear food is that other fear foods become less scary. So for example, you might notice that if you challenge your fear of pizza, that also lessens your fear of burgers. Not in all cases, but in many cases that is what happens. When I started my own recovery, I feared pretty much every food on the planet except for like three safe foods. And now I don't have any fear foods whatsoever. I didn't get to the point where I'm now by eating every single food in the entire world, right? I got there by challenging a lot of different foods and food groups and that kind of had a bit of a domino effect onto other fear foods. So for example, I didn't eat any crumpets in my recovery because I was in a country where crumpets is not part of our food culture. I don't even think I can get it in Norway. But when I moved to the UK, I had crumpets and it was not a fear food. And it was not a fear food because I had challenged so many other foods in my recovery a few years ago that when presented with this new food, who would have been a fear food if it was in my early recovery. If I was presented with a crumpet in my early recovery, that would have been scary. But now that I was faced with a crumpet, which is a very strange food. I mean, it's very good, but I just think it looks so funny. <laughs> it's like these little like... It looks like overblown pancakes with a bunch of holes in them. Yeah, British thing. Basically, when I tried my first crumpet, there was no anxiety, even though I hadn't challenged that food in my recovery, just because I challenged so many other similar foods. I challenged foods in general to the point where 
I don't have fear foods anymore because I'm recovered. So don't feel overwhelmed and like you have to try every single food on the entire planet besides your safe foods to recover. Because that's not realistic. I mean, it would be great if you could do that, but I know that not all foods are going to be available. And also eating every single food in the world would take some time. Probably a lot longer than you want your recovery to take. So to recap, write a list, write a to-do list where you list your fear foods or fear amounts or fear context around foods and then challenge it like strategically that you challenge it. And it's important that you challenge yourself consistently. Make it a daily thing. Challenge yourself every day and ideally at every meal. Because in recovery, a meal eating just safe foods is a bit of a missed opportunity. You could have added something to that meal to also challenge your fears. And then eventually you'll see that things that were on your to-do list or to-eat fear food list will no longer be on that list because they will no longer be scary. And then maybe you'll have new foods to add or new contexts or situations or amounts to add. And when it comes to this exercise, there is a reason why I say write it as a to-do list and take it off. So basically, when you have an eating disorder, your brain has a negative association with challenging fear foods, right? It is not something that rewards your brain. Instead, it's something that gives a negative reaction. It gives guilt, anxiety, regret, all of these negative things. A to-do list is something that most of us has have an association where if we have a to-do list and we take something off a to-do list, it feels good. Basically, you're using a familiar format that you have a positive association with to kind of trick your brain into thinking of it as something that it wants to do. And also by writing something down, you're far more likely to actually do it. And I also want you to reframe challenging fear foods a little bit. I always say that, you know, anxiety and excitement are actually very similar physical emotions in the body but it is the meaning we give to them that differs and i know that a lot of people with eating disorders have food obsession and will often spend hours you know looking at pictures of hamburgers on instagram so try and reframe it and think that this is something exciting you're getting to eat all of these things that you have forbidden yourself from for so long And actually, you don't have to be calm to do it. You know, I always say, if you can't do it calm, do it scared. You can be excited about something and anxious about something, terrified at the same time. Think of a roller coaster. People go in roller coasters. They are excited and also very scared at the same time. It is completely possible. And I see very often people in recovery who feel almost like they're doing something wrong for feeling scared when challenging fear foods. And actually, it's the opposite. You're doing something right because you are noticing that you're scared and you're going in to actively challenge it. Feeling scared in recovery is not a negative thing. It is a sign that there is a feeling here that you need to work on. There's a situation here that you need to keep exposing yourself to. So when you feel scared about food and recovery... Take that as something to be curious about, something to think, oh, interesting, now I know, something to challenge myself on. Don't beat yourself up for it or feel like you're not doing recovery right. Recovery means being scared and doing it anyway. And I know that the fear can be very intense and due to the intensity of the fear, you might feel like there's no way you're ever not going to feel this way. But here's the thing, our brains are neuroplastic, meaning that they can change We want to rewire your brain, basically. We want to change those neuropathways so that you have different associations and different experiences when it comes to these foods. And the only way to do that 
is by repeatedly challenging yourself, by repeatedly putting yourself in situations that make you feel uncomfortable until they don't anymore. You can't think yourself out of it, you need to act yourself out of it. And you need to do that repeatedly. You can't just challenge your fear food once, take it off your box and be like, okay, done and dusted. If you're still feeling scared about that fear food, you need to keep challenging it. You need to keep eating it. Recovery is about more than just refeeding. Yes, refeeding and getting out of energy deficit is an absolutely essential part of recovery. And you can't recover if you don't do that. But you also need to rewire and reprogram those fears. Many people go into recovery and, you know, they restore their weight if that was something they needed to do and they stop restricting, but they still heavily restrict the types of food they eat and they don't challenge the rules. But for full recovery, you also need to challenge the fears. A person with a dog phobia might tell you that, oh, I don't feel that anxious anymore if they have moved somewhere where there are no dogs. I mean, obviously, they're not going to feel anxious, but... If they were put in a situation where they are around dogs, then they would be. And chances are they also are avoiding situations surrounding dogs. And in the same way, if you're recovered and you never challenge your fears, you might think, oh, but I feel fine, I feel comfortable. Yeah, because you are in your comfort zone, you're only eating your comfort foods. Then when presented with the food, that would make you really anxious. And you might find yourself avoiding certain situations, such as you, you know, you say no to the dinner invite and instead cook your safe meal at home because going out to eat would make you petrified. You might go out to eat, but you will order the safer option instead of the option you know that you really want. Or you might even try and convince yourself that, oh, I don't really like pizza anyways. Come on, everyone likes pizza or pasta or burgers. You like one of those at least. Salad is great. Sometimes, but is it really that what you crave all the time? Are you sure? Avoidance might make you feel safe in the moment, but it will cause long-term unsafety. And in the same way, exposure might make you feel unsafe in the moment, but it will cause long-term safety. Many people ask me when I talk about fear foods, they ask, but how do I know if something I'm avoiding something because it's a fear or because I just don't like it? And my solution is... You try it and you see, you eat it. And if you have big resistance towards eating it, then chances are it is a fear. For instance, I don't really like olives. I tried, you know, being an adult and liking it. I just don't like it. And if I'm faced with a plate of olives, that don't give me an anxiety or fear response. I don't feel anxious by the thought of eating olives. It's just that I'd rather eat something else. I don't like the taste of it. I think it's kind of gross. Be mindful of your eating disorder trying to trick you into thinking you don't like foods. And very often the resistance towards eating a food that you really don't know if you like is actually the eating disorder having the scarcity mindset of, oh, you don't want to waste calories on that or waste a meal on that. And that is also something that needs to be challenged because that is eating perfectionism. So trying a food that you're not really sure if you like or not is a very important part of recovery. And you might find out, I didn't really like it. That's fine. But you need to try to know. I know I don't like olives because I've had it many times. It keeps popping up in salads or as like a starter. And I try to eat it and I just don't like it. But I had to try it to know, right? Another thing that people often ask is, how do I know if I'm avoiding a food because of my eating disorder or because, you know, 
uh, of ethical reasons or because, you know, maybe um, it upsets my stomach, things like that. And I think there is a very fine line here. But overall, if you talk to someone who's vegetarian for completely non-disordered reasons, if they discovered that they just ate a soup and it happened to have some meat in it, they're probably not going to be anxious, right? They're going to be a bit like, oh, okay, that's kind of not what I wanted. But, you know, they're not going to be anxious. But a person with an eating disorder who's vegetarian for more control reasons will tend to be very, very anxious. I can even have a panic attack if this happens. And same goes with, you know, people avoiding things because of their digestion. I have a few friends with lactose intolerance and their reaction when they eat lactose it's not an anxiety reaction. It's not like, a, oh, geez, I'm going to suffer tomorrow, you know. Also, I've seen people with eating disorders who have more like orthorexia, health anxiety, hyper-focus on digestion, and they will avoid things to a point where it doesn't even make sense anymore. And if they realize they accidentally ate something that they felt they should avoid it, it is an anxiety response. They think they are avoiding the food because they don't want their stomach to hurt, but they're actually engaging in, you know, restrictive behaviors that give them more stress and anxiety, which is not good for the digestion. We know that stress and gut doesn't really go well together. But overall, the topic of, you know, vegetarianism, and veganism and avoiding foods for, you know, ethical reasons, avoiding food for health reasons, these are such big topics that I think I would actually need to make a whole episode about it rather than, you know, just recapping it quickly in a few minutes because there is a lot to dig into here. There's a lot going on and it is limited how much I can fit into a 20, 25, 30 minute episode. But I think a good indicator that you perhaps aren't, you know, avoiding foods for the best reasons is if you feel really defensive when you have it challenged. So if you are on some kind of stomach healing diet and someone questions it and you get extremely defensive, that is a bit of a red flag. And same goes with veganism and vegetarianism. Just hearing me talking about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of, there's disproportionate amount of people with eating disorders who are vegan and vegetarian. If that makes you extremely defensive, if you like defending yourself, then that is also a bit of a red flag. Because if you know within yourself that has nothing to do with that, then you will feel quite calm hearing that. But let's talk about that another time. Overall quick recap of what we just spoke about. Challenge your fear foods. Your future self will thank you. Because life is too short to sit in a pizzeria in Italy and panicking about ordering pizza and instead having the salad and then panicking about the salad because it might have had some pasta in it. Or not eating your own birthday cake or wedding cake. Yes, this happens. I know because I work with people with eating disorders and I hear it. Food is about so much more than fuel. It is culture. It is social. It is fun. It is pleasure. So face those fears now so you can have the pleasure as well. And also be aware that fear and pleasure can coexist. But as you keep challenging, you'll notice that the pleasure remains and the fear goes away. And now till today's listener question. Lately, I have been taking the listener questions from my stories. So do check out my stories at Amalie Lee or also at Let's Recover because I put a question box there. I just find it easier. But you can also email me at contact at letsrecover.co.uk as well if you have a question. I will not answer the questions on email. It is more listener question for the podcast. So please title it clearly that this is a listener question to the podcast. 
that you consent, you know, to being answered on the podcast with other people hearing. So today's listener question is how to overcome feeling guilty for taking time out from work to recover. An eating disorder is a health condition. You wouldn't judge your coworker for taking time off to recover from, let's say, cancer. Sick leave is a thing for a reason. Recovery is one of the most important things you will ever do. You're literally saving your own life. And sometimes that will mean taking some time off of work and other duties. This time is not wasted. This is time you are investing in yourself and your own health. And when it comes to work, by recovering, you will also show up better at work as well. It's kind of like taking a car to the garage. Yes, when the car is in the garage, you can't drive it, but then you get it back and it's a lot better. So you're actually doing your workplace a favor if you want to look at it that way. Even though that is not really how I would recommend looking at it because I would rather say that you don't need to, you don't owe your workplace anything, but you owe yourself recovery. Very often we use guilt as an indicator that we have done something wrong. And in some cases that's true, you know, if I go punch someone, I feel guilty because I did something wrong. But in many cases, we feel guilty not because we have done something wrong at all. Actually, sometimes we feel guilty by doing the right thing. And I can imagine if you had a friend that was going through recovery and needed to take some time off work, you would have been able to see, yeah, they're doing the right thing. and You would have supported them. But oftenly, people with eating disorders are unable to apply this compassion to themselves. So try and apply the same compassion that you have for other people also to yourself. Because you deserve that compassion. And you deserve a break. And then you will come back better than ever and it will benefit everyone. And most importantly, it will benefit you. I hope that helped get a slightly different perspective on it. And I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I wanted to give a special shout out to those who repeatedly are supporting my podcast, you know, engaging with it, leaving ratings, sharing it in your stories, especially the latter, you know, you sharing it in your stories or sharing it with a friend really, really helps me as a creator. It really helps my podcast grow and helps get the word out there. So thank you so much. Really keeps me going. I will talk to you guys next week and I wish you a lovely week ahead.